0: other factors not available the following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel
1: spirit within me Let's sing it together. would I Close your eyes and worship. Creating me a clean heart. Creating me a clean heart. Oh God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from Thy presence. Cast me not.
0: Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. In Romans, the seventh chapter, the very last verse, So then I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law, but in the sinful nature a slave to the law of sin. Therefore, chapter 8, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because through Christ Jesus the law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death for what the law was powerless to do in that it was weakened by the sinful nature God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering and so he condemned sin and sinful man in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the sinful nature but according to the Spirit. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Holy Spirit desires. The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who lives in you. Romans 8, chapter 1 through 11. I've read that so many times, and yet I've not understood what it was saying. I've struggled. I've, I've worked all of my life to try to understand the Word of God. And you may say, well, Pastor, if you don't understand it and you've studied it all of your life, how am I going to ever understand it? Well, there's a big problem. And frankly, the problem is that we in our culture are so full of ourselves and our culture that we have no time or desire to understand the deep things of God. So please, let me just say some very simple things to you today that I have discovered. God is a person. Jesus was real. The Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is real. Now the question is is the Holy Spirit with you or is he dwelling in you? Don't answer that question quickly. I've done many, many baptisms and I've baptized people in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Did that mean the Holy Spirit entered them No. Time after time I've seen that it does not mean that. Does it mean that Jesus enters? No. Does it mean the Father's entered? No. No. It simply means that you have begun a journey that the Holy Spirit is calling you on, a pilgrimage, if you please, toward heaven. But that journey can be aborted, You can turn back, or you can get lost in the valley, or you can die with the great giant that almost caught John Bunyan, the giant despair. What I'm going to say to you this week will be life, it will be an understanding of the Word of God that if you grasp it, it will change your life. For it will be life-changing. I can tell you now that Jesus loves you (laughs) very plainly. And I can tell you now the only way into heaven is through Jesus. There is no other way. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Now you say, come on, Pastor, I know all of that. Well, there's a huge difference between knowing something intellectually and agreeing to it. The devil does that. And then beginning to enter into the real person of Jesus and being baptized in the Holy Spirit. Huge difference. Now, let me be very frank with you. I've had a conundrum in my life. I've had a, a very difficult understanding that was given to me by my teachers and by even my beloved pastor, David Wilkerson, who was my father in the faith. And that was that I was earnestly seeking after Jesus and after the Holy Spirit, but I was not baptized in the Holy Spirit. I pressed Brother David Wilkerson to take time with me to pray over me and anoint me with oil for the baptism of the Holy Spirit for Pentecost. His response to me was, I can't do that you just have to go in the anointing you have because I don't have that Pentecost anointing on my life. I said, but John, the Gospels, Luke 11, says that the Father's willing to give us the Holy Spirit, more willing to give us the Holy Spirit than we who are fathers are willing to give good gifts to our children. So, Is God not telling the truth? So I struggled. Am I baptized in the Holy Spirit? You've heard me say on this radio, no. And yet I have the conundrum because in my life I experience the presence in me of the Holy Spirit. How is it possible for the Holy Spirit to be in me if he's not baptized me? The reason I had such trouble understanding this is that I misunderstood what happened at Pentecost. I understood at Pentecost that the Holy Spirit came and baptized them and gave them the power for ministry. And that's true, he did that. But certainly we would not say today that to be normative we have to have the wind and the fire. So what is this baptism of the Holy Spirit? And are you... Are you finding the Holy Spirit is with you or is the Holy Spirit in you? This passage in Romans, and we're going to spend a fair amount of time this week in Romans 8, it says, Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. A locket, a positional. Like I'm in, I'm in Washington D.C. That means I'm not in New York City. It means I'm not in L.A. or Chicago. I'm in Washington D.C. It is a position I'm in. He's saying for those who are in Christ Jesus. That little word in the Greek is "en," in. For those who are in Christ Jesus, there's no condemnation, no judgment. So if you're not in Jesus, you are still under judgment. You're still under the law. Now, I want to show you a couple of things. In Acts, Acts, the eighth chapter. I've shared with you the story of Simon, but there again, there's something very specific I want you to see in line with what I'm sharing with you today. In the 8th chapter, verse 9, for some time a man named Simon had practiced sorcery in the city, and he'd amazed all the people of Samaria He boasted that he was someone great. And all the people, both high and low, gave him their attention and exclaimed, This man is the divine power known as the great power. Extra-biblical sources tell us that he could even levitate, fly. They followed him because he had amazed them for a long time with his magic. But then Philip came, a deacon, And he was preaching in the city of Samaria. He was preaching the name of Jesus Christ. He was calling people to be baptized in Jesus. And many people believed the good news that Jesus was the Messiah. And they came to be baptized. Now, verse 13 tells us Simon himself believed And was baptized. Now, the Peter package that we've talked about is you come at the call of of the preacher who is teaching you, whoever he might be, about Jesus, and you believe in Jesus, and you are baptized in water. Now, the next thing that needs to happen after the water baptism, if I go just very quickly to the book of Acts. Let me turn there quickly for you. Acts, the second chapter. Peter stands up at the day of Pentecost and he begins his sermon message. um, And he tells them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off. For all whom the Lord our God will call. Okay, 3,000 men are added to the church that day. Now, what I want you to catch is they were called by Peter to repent, to believe, to be baptized. For the forgiveness of their sin and then they would receive the gift of the Holy Spirit now in Acts the 8th chapter we find Simon believed and was baptized and then he began to follow Philip around he's a new Christian along with all the others who have become new Christians. And they've all been water baptized. The apostles hear that a great move of God is happening in Samaria. And so they send Peter and John and when they arrive they began to lay hands on people and pray for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. In other words, they'd received John's baptism of repentance or Jesus' baptism by the hand of, of Philip, but they had not yet received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now when Simon saw that the Spirit was given at the laying on of the apostles' hands he offered them money. He said, Give me also this ability so that everyone on whom I lay my hands may also receive the Holy Spirit. Now Peter answered, May your money perish with you because you thought you could buy the gift of God with money. You have no part or share in this ministry because your heart is not right before God. Oh, wait a minute. Here's a man who's who's come to Jesus. He's been baptized in the name of Jesus. But Peter is saying to him, Your heart is not right before God. How's that possible? Well, we find out. He says, repent of this wickedness and pray to the Lord. Perhaps he will forgive you for having such a thought in your heart. For you see, I see that you are full of bitterness and in the bondage of sin. So here's a man who is baptized. He's calling himself a follower of Jesus. And Peter is saying to him, Repent of your wickedness. He says his heart is full of bitterness and captive to sin. In other words, Simon either needs now to go much deeper in his work of repentance so that he can be baptized in the Holy Spirit, or he is going to abort his salvation. He is going to abort his conversion. He's going to die. Now, the reason I share this is that many of you have come to the Lord You've been baptized. You say, I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of Jesus. But your heart is still filled with the love of the world. Your heart is still full of bitterness and anger toward others. Or you're still captive to sin. You repent, and then you do it again. You repent, you do it again. You're captive to sin. Now, it says over here in Romans, and we opened with this, the 8th chapter, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Well, how do you get into Jesus Christ? Now, it's, it's very plain that when Jesus was walking with the disciples, he was with them but not in them. He was with them, not in them. Now, I'm going to show you through this week that there are two works of God and you must do what is necessary to walk through both of these works of God in your heart if you are going to be brought into Jesus Christ. You cannot walk in rebellion and sin and be in Jesus. You can walk in rebellion and sin and have the Holy Spirit with you. The Holy Spirit comes to all men and all women and he calls them and he woos them and he rebukes them. He rebukes us and calls us to follow after Jesus. But if you are so full and so concerned about everything of this world, if you fill your heart and your mind with the entertainment of the world, you fill your heart and your mind with the television of the world, if you fill your heart and mind with the lust for success and achievement, then you will have the Holy Spirit with you as he calls after you, as he tries to woo you with the love of Jesus, as he calls you to repent for your sin. And many of you have been baptized. You go to church, but you have never been baptized in the Holy Spirit. And Jesus does not dwell in you, and you in him. Instead, it's always the battle. Am I in Jesus? Is he in me? Or is he just with me? Is he just with me? If you want Jesus to be in you and you want to be in Jesus you're going to have to deal with the sin in your heart now I spent much time in prayer before I came to this broadcast today because the great fear I have is that you will just blow off what I'm saying and not be serious with me and you will think, I'm okay. I'm, I'm doing the best I can do. Well, that's not good enough. The very best thing that you can do and bring to Jesus, if Jesus is not in you, is still not good enough. You cannot earn your way with Jesus by doing good things. You cannot earn your way with Jesus by trying your best. You're going to have to do a very thorough work of repentance. And what is repentance? Metanoia is the Greek word. It literally means a change of mind. It literally means a new way of thinking, a new understanding. If you want to enter into Jesus, you have to have a new understanding of what that means and how you do it. Now, if you go over here to the Gospel of John, I'll turn there now with you. John, the third chapter. John, the third chapter. We find Jesus is talking with Nicodemus, a a scholar, a, a very wealthy businessman, This man has come to see Jesus at night. I don't know why, but he wants to talk to this new young rabbi. He says, Rabbi, we know you're a teacher who's come from God, for no one could perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with him. In reply, Jesus answers, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born from above. Born from above. Well, how can a man be born when he's old? Nicodemus asks. Surely you cannot enter a second time into your mother's womb to be born. And Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the Spirit. In other words, There has to be a total cleansing, a washing away of all the old sin, and then there has to be a birth in the Spirit, or you cannot enter the kingdom of God. Many of you listening to this broadcast today have never been born in the Spirit. You have perhaps been baptized But you have to have more than that. This man, Simon Magus, he was baptized, but he still had bitterness in his heart. He was still angry. He was still in bondage to sin, even though he was a follower of Jesus. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you can't tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. In other words, you enter a whole new realm. Now, I want to go back to Romans. Romans. the book of Romans, in the sixth chapter, we have a passage of scripture that I have read countless times and misunderstood, and it's a key to what we're talking about today. Chapter six, what shall we say? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? Oh, by no means. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. I was asked the question just recently is he speaking here about a water baptism and my answer was yes I was wrong this is not a water baptism being referred to here see Simon Magus was baptized in water but he still was captive to sin the sin power was not broken he was still a worldly person loving the things of darkness going after the lust of the flesh he was still caught up in his magic now let's let's face it very honestly simon magus had a very hard decision to make he made his living by magic And suddenly now, he's believing on Jesus. And when he approaches Peter to try to gain that power to baptize in the Holy Spirit so he could perform signs and wonders, because he needs to continue his business, he needs to be able to support himself. And the only way he knows how to support himself is with magic, and now He has seen a more powerful magic than he had before, and he wants it, and he's willing to pay for it. He wants to use the gospel of Jesus for his own ends, for his own support, for his own means. And Peter rebukes him soundly. So now we have all of you who are baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. Oh, wait a minute, I want you to catch this. It says, or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. You cannot live a new life until you have Jesus Christ in you and you are in him. You've been baptized into the Holy Spirit or into Jesus. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is what brings you into Jesus Christ. If you don't have the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you are not in Jesus. You are simply having Jesus, para is the Greek word, with you, but not in you. With you, but not in you. And if Jesus is just with you, or the Holy Spirit is just with you, then you will be like Simon Magus, who is being called and confronted and rebuked for sin or maybe none of that will happen for you and you will just go on down your happy road. Now you have a Christian faith in Jesus but it is a false faith. It is a false Jesus because you are not in him. The only way you can be in Jesus is to be baptized into the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit brings you into Jesus Christ. So if you have the Holy Spirit with you, convicting you of your sin, constantly prodding you to leave your sin, and you don't leave it, you are like Simon Magus. And you are under the law. The only way you can be removed from being under the law of condemnation of sin and death is to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. To be baptized into Jesus. It says, We died to sin. How do you die to sin? You repent. You turn your back on it. You change your mind about it. You say, I don't want to walk that way anymore. I'm done with it. I'm finished. But see, Simon Magus was unwilling to say that. Why? Because his livelihood was at stake. His reputation was at stake. Everybody thought he was something. He didn't understand that when he came to Jesus, he had to become nothing. And Jesus had to become everything. Are you somebody? Have you settled into your life and you're comfortable with your little life and you do things that you know are wrong, you sin against God, but not to worry because I'm covered by the blanket of grace. Really? I don't think so. I want to turn very quickly over here. Let me read this for you. Second Timothy, the third chapter. But mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. Peoples will be lovers of themselves and lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God having a form of godliness, but denying its power. He's talking about people who are in the church. This is not the world he's describing. This is the modern church he's describing. Having a form of godliness, but denying its power. What's it mean? It means these people have Jesus or the Holy Spirit coming and convicting them of their sin and they turn aside and they refuse to listen and they have no power in their Christian life. They're powerless. They have no power to to live a righteous life. They have no power to witness. They have no power to share. They have no power in their confession of Jesus Christ. Simon Magus could confess Jesus as his Lord and his Savior. But he had not entered into Jesus. He was on the outside. And the Apostle Peter rebuked him and said, Repent. If this description in 2 Timothy, the third chapter, is a description of your life. You've got to repent. Quickly. If any of this, if, if you're a lover of yourself, if you're a lover of money, if everything is about you and what you can do, if you're ungrateful and unholy, without love, unforgiving, unforgiving, Slanderous, without self-control. If you love the world and the things of the world, the flesh, if you love the world's entertainment, you love the world's ways, you can have a form of godliness. You can go to church every Sunday or every Saturday. You can go to church all the time. You can even pay your tithe and your offer. You can even preach. You have a a form of godliness it looks like to outside people that this is a christian man magus looked like to all the rest of the church that he was a christian that he was a follower of jesus but when when it came time to be baptized in the holy spirit he wasn't going to be baptized in the holy spirit and many of you who have claimed to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, were baptized in a spirit other than that of Jesus. Some of you were baptized in the Kundalini spirit because you've participated in the the laughing revival or the this revival or that revival where ungodly things were said and done. I remember a a foolish man down in Florida claiming that all of his tattoos on his body were Acceptable before Jesus, and it came out he was having an affair with his his secretary, and he and his wife divorced, and the revival broke up. Well, he had a Kundalini spirit. He wasn't of the spirit of God. He was of the spirit of darkness, the same spirit that invades the Buddhist or the Hindu or other religions, not the Holy Spirit. having a form of godliness, but denying its power. So the question is, how do you enter into Jesus? How does he enter into you? How does the Holy Spirit come and make his dwelling in you? By repenting. Being serious about it. And then by obeying obeying the word of the Lord. We're running short on time, so I'm not going to be able to get to all the scriptures today, but but go with me to John, the Gospel of John. And I'm going to read for you first in the 8th chapter Jesus is speaking. I tell you the truth in verse 34. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Indeed. Go to another scripture In John the 14th chapter uh, John the 14th chapter John the gospel of John 14th chapter verse 16 and I will ask the father and he will give you another helper that he may remain with you forever the spirit of truth whom the world is not able to receive because it does not perceive him or know him but you know him because he remains with you and he will be in you now I want you to notice when the Holy Spirit came it was the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came it was the day of Pentecost and he says here he remains with you and he will be in you why was he saying it that way answer that question over here in John 8.37 I'm sorry in 7.37 Now on the last day the, the great day of the feast Jesus had stood and cried out saying if anyone may be thirsty he must come to me and drink the one believing in me as the scripture said out of his innermost being will flow rivers of water but he said this concerning the spirit whom the ones believing on him were about to receive. But the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus had not yet been glorified. Okay, so now you understand he remains with you and he will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I am coming to you. Now, John uses two words. With is para in the Greek. And in is en, in you, in the Greek. And so we find all through the Old Testament and up until Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was only with people. He was not in them. He would come upon them. He would walk with them. But he was not in them. When Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden, every day the Lord came and walked with them in the cool of the evening. And then Satan came, and he deceived them. And they chose to believe that they could become their own gods. And Genesis 3.15 was given that first promise that, that the Lord would put enmity between the woman and the serpent. When Jesus died on Calvary, he opened the way for, for him to come in the power of the Holy Spirit and dwell in you. You see, it was not enough for God to simply walk with us. It was never enough through all of the Old Testament for the presence of God to be with the children of Israel. They, they were still in utter rebellion. Jesus had to enter into his people by the Holy Spirit. He had to enter into, become one with. In that way, a new way of righteousness was opened to the human heart. Romans, the first chapter, says a new stream of righteousness came not by the law but by the spirit so what I'm trying to say to you today is if you're still walking in sin you're still walking under the law you can say you're under grace but you're not under grace if you're not obeying the commands of God and you're in the same place Simon Magus was And the majority of the church today in America is in the same place Simon Magus was. Never having experienced the true coming and baptism of the Holy Spirit. Because the baptism of the Holy Spirit is when the Holy Spirit comes in and crucifies the old man. And we are made new in the likeness of Christ. That doesn't happen at the water baptism. The water baptism is simply signing off on the covenant and saying, I want this to happen to me. I'm in agreement with the Holy Spirit coming and changing me and making me into a new person. But when that really happens is when the baptism of the Holy Spirit takes place and God actually enters into a person. And then is the crucifixion and the dying and the being born from above now I've covered a lot of ground today I've tried to do it slowly and methodically and we're going to go through many more scriptures this week and I'm going to take you much further in in Romans the 8th chapter but I want you to understand that Simon Magus was still under the law of sin and death and And he had to make a choice. Was he going to do what Peter told him he must do and repent of his sin and turn from it and obey the commands of Jesus? Or was he going to continue with a form of godliness and create his own religion? In fact, we know, extra-biblical source, that Simon went on to create a new religion, the Simonites, utterly wicked and depraved, And that same Gnostic belief has invaded the Christian church today. Well, we only have two minutes left in the broadcast. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenlee from the National Prayer Chapel, and the cry of my heart is that you would be baptized in the Holy Spirit, that you would acknowledge the Holy Spirit, And ask him to come in and dwell in you. That Jesus could dwell in you and you could dwell in him. You can write to me at the National Prayer Chapel Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia 22195. I'd love to hear from you. How is it with you and Jesus? You can also go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. I'd invite you to please subscribe so that every new broadcast that is posted will be you will be notified of. You can go to nationalprayerchapel.com and donate to help support this ministry. It's a faith ministry. I look forward to hearing from you. How are you with Jesus? Do you understand what I'm saying to you today? God bless you, my brother, my sister. I love you. I don't want you to be in Simon Magus' shoes. I want you to be baptized in the Spirit. We'll talk about it tomorrow. God bless you. I love you. I'll talk to you soon.